All right, I think I'm going to, when we start off here, um, we got some great reader mail this week with some, like, actually really insightful theories. So there's some stuff I want to talk about, like, for last episode and stuff. Sound good? Um, yes, I have a question for you before we start. <coughs> we, were, sure. we were talking about this at work today. Would you rather take a sip from a jar someone had to pee in or a jar that someone was spitting their chew into? Oh, urine, 100%. That's what we decided to. It's so <laughs> disgusting. The chew is, is way nastier. Yeah. Either way, I'm barfing. Urine's sterile. Yeah, it's it's disgusting either way, but 100 times urine. 100 <laughs> times urine. Oh, uh, it's fun being at work. <laughs> Good evening, everybody, and welcome to This American Horror Story, an unofficial podcast about the FX hit show American Horror Story. I am your host, Tyler Moss, here with my co-host, Chris Husted. What's up, party people? How's it going, buddy? Pretty good. Um, As we were talking, the the seasons are changing currently. Uh, It's getting a little chillier, a little spookier. It's starting to feel like the appropriate time of year for American Horror Story. If I may say. Agreed. When it comes to Halloween, I can't wait to see the Halloween episodes. Yeah, it'll be really interesting to see what they do this time around, I guess, because, um, I mean, I feel like they've already done so many Halloween-themed episodes, it's hard to do it, and especially with Scream Queens around now, it's hard to, like, not be repetitive in what they're doing. Exactly. I was going to ask you, so did you watch Scream Queens this week also? I didn't watch the one from yesterday yet. Okay. Did you? I, I did, but it's all. It is always. I'm. I'm watching both of them. I, I'm watching Scream Queens more frequently than I probably would, just because I want to see. If, <coughs> excuse me, if there are some parallels or similar themes. But anyway, I'm, it's good that we're both trying to be on top of that. <laughs> yeah, I'll probably watch that next episode uh, coming up in the next few days, but definitely before next week. But I have a little bit of catching up to do. It was a good one. Anyway. Yeah, I'm enjoying it as well. It's kind of like we said, um, the yin to. Hotels Yang, I yeah. guess what you would say. Welcome to This American Horror Story Podcast, where we talk about Scream Queens. And a little bit of everything, frankly. Um, you can't not talk about Hotel or American Horror Story without referencing, as we've said, Ryan Murphy and Falchuk and Brad Falchuk's other shows, like Nip Dark, popular. Glee, Glee, we end up talking about because you see a lot of the same people showing right. up and stuff. I mean, really, we, we cover the whole mm-hmm. au revoir, so to speak. Um, Of course, this episode, episode three, is called Hotel Mommy. Mommy. Um, Last week was Shoots and Ladders, and I do have some great things I want to talk about uh, regarding Shoots and Ladders in terms of reader mail, listener mail, I guess it would be. did get a lot of good stuff. Before you start that, what are you drinking? Uh, Uh, This week I am finishing off my jug of cider, but this time I'm drinking a little bit of rye with it. Some rye whiskey. Uh, what do you got on tap this evening? I got, I got some uh, Four Roses uh, bourbon. Neat. Yeah. It's uh, on sale at the grocery store still for the last like, six months. It's like four mm. bucks off. Oh, that's a good deal. I'm stocking up. I do want to acknowledge that we're recording again on the same night as the show aired, which is nice because when the show is an hour and 40 minutes, it's hard to then stay up and record an hour-long podcast. Exactly. We got jobs. But, you know we're, we're, the, <laughs> we're we're the lucky few but uh 
when the show's an hour and 15, we can make it work. So we're glad to be here up uh, drinking and sharing our thoughts with y'all tonight. Right. Um, as always, before we go into these comments, I want to appreciate everybody for um, sending in their thoughts and, of course, encourage you to continue doing so at uh, thisamericanhorrorstory at gmail.com and, of course, at um, facebook.com slash thisamericanhorrorstory. And I haven't said this yet this season. I don't know what's wrong with me. Please, uh, rate us, review us on iTunes. We sincerely appreciate it. Um, I was just thinking that, too. We, we The feedback is important to us, and, you know, we're just two dudes that enjoy the show and are happy to talk about it with you guys, but uh, we appreciate your feedback and want to try to make it better if we can. So, anyway, without further ado, let's um, dive into American Horror Story Hotel. Uh, there's a few things, of course, like I said, I wanted to discuss in advance um, regarding shoots and ladders. Now, we had a, a good comment, I thought, I think came up that, you know, the game Shoots and Ladders before it was the Shoots and Ladders that we probably knew as children um, was a different game that was called uh, <coughs> Snakes and Ladders. And I guess that this game Snakes and Ladders originated with the idea of um, the ups and downs representing vice and virtue. Now this, uh, our friend Courtney posted this both on Facebook and sent us an email, and she thought that maybe this related to the Ten Commandments killer. Um, and I think she's got an interesting point here, because obviously we do see a lot of um, shoots in terms of marches, you know, secret laundry shoot where he dumps bodies and stuff like that, kind of representing... Like physical shoots, yeah. For sure. But I think that there's another layer here. And um, I've read a few articles this week that were basically making cases that the Hotel Cortez is either hell or a gateway to hell. And I think that this kind of ties in with that theory a little bit. When you think about um, different levels in the hotel being different layers, potentially, of hell. And this really ties into... Um, Dante's Inferno, which of course um, I haven't read since college, so you're gonna have to refresh me. No, but I, I mean, just the idea that there's different layers mm-hmm. of of hell, and there's different obviously stories in the hotel. But I think that it's important to acknowledge that there's been a um, a kind of recurring literary theme in this season, and we had a number of listeners point this out. Um, both Holden and Scarlet, the two children of Lowe. Um, are literary references. Of course, Holden Caulfield from Catcher in the Rye and Scarlett O'Hara from Gone with the Wind. Um, of course, we also have, you know, Lowe having read to his son Little Women, I think, or his daughter, sorry. He was reading Little Women to his daughter in that first episode. And uh, I think someone said that they, they saw Moby Dick appear in one of the past couple episodes too. But we had this kind of recurring literary theme. And that's what this made me think of when I was kind of making the Dante's Inferno connection. I was wondering if you had any more thoughts about why they'd be kind of pushing forward with Lowe, particularly this kind of literary theme as we go into uh, episode three. No. That was well, my I Hillary did. Clinton. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, well, clearly I do. Um, Wait, I had to attend. I thought that was from... I did. Okay. That was from the Democratic debate. That was good. No. <laughs> that was good. <laughs> I, uh, uh, I really don't, though. Like, it's interesting. But, I, yeah, I don't know why John um, has that connection with literature so much you do though well i think we should continue to keep note of it i obviously Mm -hmm. i dante's inferno is one thing i came up with the other one is just obviously if we're talking ten commandments killer i mean that's coming from the bible one of the most classic pieces of literature there's ever existed so i think that there's obvious and another obvious tie in there but i think that we should note this connection to literature and maybe kind of keep an eye on other potential ways that they um end up connecting you know, this season to different 
literary texts and things of what that could necessarily mean. So I encourage people to keep sending in thoughts and ideas about that. Um, those are a couple of mine I'm throwing out now. But, uh, you know, I think that I'm appreciating that this season has a lot of layers going on, but it actually maybe seems like the layers are a little bit more well thought out than they have been in past seasons, which I think we'll both appreciate considering we've, we've both kind of um, raged against uh, lack of continuity in past seasons a little bit. Right. And, I mean, one of my critiques I'll have throughout this season which is already happening so far is maybe some um, recycled themes and and storylines, which is always a dangerous place uh, that um, um, American Horror Story tends to go. It's not as prominent this year, but I think you know there that that's worthy of a little picking apart as we unfold the layers of all these storylines and who these characters are as we get to learn them a little bit more. Um, but like you're saying, so far so good. Like I, I'm liking that there isn't. A thousand things thrown at me at once right now it's only like 50,000 things or at 500 things that I can peel apart and try to figure out what's going on uh, character wise storyline wise and where everyone's crisscrossing uh, narratives exactly um, a couple th- more things we wanted to note about uh, the last episode um, the anti-vaccination mm. kind of diatribe that Alex has we had, a, I had we had two different emails about this that I want to talk about that I thought were both interesting ideas the first, um, we had a listener who said, you know, what if the season is all about diseases and thought that maybe the dig on anti-vaxxers in the first episode was political, but um, maybe then after having seen, you know, Alex continue kind of the diatribe against it in the second episode and also learning about the blood disease that the Countess has, thinking maybe that this is indicative of a larger theme in this season. I um, 100%, like, after watching this most recent episode, Mommy... I, I actually like I'm 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 sold on this on this theory. There there clearly has to be some type of a connection with vaccinations and this virus, this vampire virus that they that the that Gaga or um, the Countess gave to Donovan and Tristan and as we learn in this one, um, Ramona. So yeah 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 no I I, I who, do you remember who wrote that into us? Because that is I that's the one I'm I'm like. I'm sold on that. I think that's definitely going to be a connection. Otherwise, I don't care about this kid with measles. I mean, I care about the kid with measles. But <laughs> sure. <laughs> but also, you know, your mom needs to get it together and like listen to science. Right. I think that one might have been Alex, but I, I mean, we had a few different emails on it, so I appreciate all those emails that were sent. The other one that I really appreciated was maybe they were thinking that well, maybe this was an allusion to what the next season's going to be. At. Maybe it would be like a virus or a contagion outbreak, mm. which I think is an interesting point, but it's almost becoming to the There's point too where many zombies. Being, well, they're also becoming so blatant with it that it's like, you know, more, normally they're more subtle about hinting what next season is. Right. And uh, so, they, you know, at this point, it's becoming too much of an overarching theme, I think, potentially, especially, like you said, if you're watching this episode, to really be an ongoing, or to be hinting at what's happening next season. Right. Um, quick digression. Did you watch, sorry, listeners, did you watch um, Walking Dead this week? Excuse me. Yes, I did. Oh, my God. Best episode I've seen in, like, a long, long time. I was a fan of a lot of episodes of last season, but it was a great episode. Oh my god, incredible! Okay, that's all. Go watch. <laughs> speaking that if you don't speaking watch that of show. contagions, yeah, and that is relevant to this podcast because that is how um, that the the, initi- the initial this American Horror Story podcast got launched when um, Tyler and I were watching Walking Dead in grad school five five years ago, four years ago, five years ago, five years ago. Now, oh maybe. god. Yeah, it's been a while. Uh, 
I think that it's fair to say that Chris and I are both pretty much TV junkies. Yeah, especially I, um, horror TV. <laughs> I would say that I watch, like, between oh the God. two of us, we probably watch just about <laughs> all the shows anyone's talking about. Yep. So if you want to send us theories or, or ideas about other shows, I think we one, of, one or both <laughs> of us would be happy to engage on those as well. Um, two more details I want to talk about real quick about Shoots and Ladders. Uh, Alex... Um, had another great comment that the clock in room 64 always goes off at the exact time and plays jazz. Uh, he even had a, the exact time he thought it was maybe two fifty six. Um, now I thought that maybe this was significant to James March. Maybe when, maybe that was the time specific time he died or something oh. like that, because you notice in last episode when Tristan, you know, goes down and in this episode too, when he goes down to find March, that's when jazz is playing. So maybe that's like when March died was at two fifty six, And that's what that music's supposed to indicate. It's like a transition in time. That was one idea from me. Uh, I don't know if you have any additional thoughts to add to that. If I mean, if that's on it, then I guarantee we're going to figure out what that time, what the what the uh, relevance of is to Hotel Cortez. Kind of like, sure. you know, The Shining. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And the last thing I wanted to point out is um, we had a number of listeners who said that the pool that the kind of glass coffins are in reminds them of murder house for one reason or another well we did have uh kyle who him and his wife are rewatching season one and he wrote in and said that the drained pool um with the glass coffins he noted also looks a lot like the abandoned pool in season one where violet met with um the friend who gives her the pills that she ultimately uses to spoiler alert for anybody who hasn't watched season one it's been suicide. Yeah. So yeah, so, so she so she dies. Um, if you're listening to this podcast and you haven't seen season one, <laughs> and he notes that at that time the pool looks pretty decrepit and has been turned into a skate park, um, and that's supposed to take place in 2011. Now I think this is supposed to take place. Uh, is it 2014? I think they say in the first episode. Um, so it's a 2014, 2015. It's about modern day here. So I guess we're hypothesizing that potentially that same pool could be the pool from the hotel Cortez refurbished. Um, until we see a skate park occurring in the pool in the Hotel Cortez, I think that's a little bit up for dispute. And um, It seems like maybe she's been collecting these little zombie kids for a while, so those right. glass coffins would have been there. But I think there is a clear illusion. I mean, there's already we're, – we're getting a, a similar feel from season one to season five, which is worth noting. Right. Um, and then obviously this is jumping ahead, but the preview for next episode, we do see a character that was around during um, uh, season four Freak Show. Indeed, we do. Twisty the Clown, in fact. And we'll bring that up later on. Yeah. But, oh, so it is so probably f- right around, at least, it, it, it's at least happening right before uh, Freak Show did, which was, I forget when Freak Show was taking place. I think it was around the same time as season one, but I do want to comment that, did I not say in our preview episode that you I did. would love to see Twisty come back? You called it. Called it. <laughs> and that, I was just throwing that shit out there because I did not think it was likely, but... Excited to see that coming back. Anyway, now let's dive into Hotel Mommy. <laughs> that sounds creepy. <laughs> Hotel Mommy. <laughs> this is weird because my, my mom's actually coming to visit me for the weekend tomorrow. <laughs> so your house is, in fact, Hotel Mommy. No, she's staying for at a the hotel. Next... <laughs> she's staying at a hotel with my dad. <laughs> okay, so she's... There is a hotel that is yes. Hotel Mommy. <laughs> hotel Chris's Mommy, in fact. Oh, God. <laughs> now let's talk about the Hotel Cortez Hotel Mommy. Uh, of course, the scene... Scene one returns with Tristan again. Um, he goes back to see James March, and he seems to have had a revelation since last episode where he decides, hey, killing's not so bad after all. In fact, I really like it. Yeah, killing um, is awesome, he says, verbatim. <laughs> he, in fact, has Googled March and uh, has become a fan. 
Um, and March is kind of discussing with him the ins and outs of Hotel Cortez a little bit. Yeah, he says there's not uh, there's plenty of rooms that are are not being utilized right now, and that he wants them to be used again. So I think that's hinting uh, about some kind of creepy sort of death traps that we haven't yet seen. Right, which is gross, but I'm I'm excited to see what contraptions they have a la Saw. You know, I can't help but feel like we're getting a little bit of an illusion toward almost like a... Um, almost like March is like a minotaur, and this is his labyrinth, right? Like a Greek mythology kind of thing where there's like... You know, it's this maze of hidden passages and stuff that all lead to an ult- ultimate death, potentially, or something, you Absolutely. know? Absolutely. And, uh, you know, and I, I, correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I'm really interested in, has there been a lot of interaction, if any interaction, with the Countess and, um, uh, what's his name, John March? James March. James March. Um, over the past 100 years. Well, not that we've seen yet, but remember we hypoth- we oh, theorized that, that right. it's his, that right. it's that the countess is potentially his wife. Right. And that would um, I think yeah. Right. It would make sense. I think we had some readers or listeners write in and say that they thought that'd be a little bit too obvious if that is the case. I think it would be too, but I think they're totally setting it up for that. Oh yeah. So, I mean, I would not be surprised yeah. if that is the case that she ends up having been his wife. Um, I, I will say it's really uh, kind of fun and welcome when I see Evan um, Peters come into on on camera. I'm like, oh, this guy. It, his his accent's a little over the top, but so is American Horror Story. And I when he shows up, I'm like, this will be entertaining. He's great. He's it's fun again. It's he's fun again. I also yeah, I just appreciate how they're using him because mm-hmm. he's kind of had to play like the the grounded character that's like there too much in the past few seasons. Too much. Yeah. Whereas I feel like we're they're using him sparingly but well in this season, which I appreciate. Right. He uh uh you know, there have been moments where I was like, is he a good actor? I don't remember because Tate, he was great. Poet didn't know it. Um but <laughs> But uh, the last couple seasons, it's been like, you know, you know, we've obviously had issues with, with his character. This is a great reminder that he is a good actor, and he's got a good character now, and I can't wait to see wh- where they go with it. I agree with that, and I also want to talk a little bit about Tristan. Um, now, uh, we see him, you know, he goes from this scene to basically being discovered by Drake and Claudia, who didn't realize he's still, like, basically hiding in this maze of a hotel um and they seem a little bit surprised but they're more surprised less surprised by the fact that he's still there they're more surprised by the fact that his scar is gone which is seems to be obviously like the a testament to the healing power of this blood virus i guess um and then we go into a whole scene where tristan tries to seduce drake um a lot of sexual attention there i didn't know yes. I, I didn't i didn't think will drake was going to be gay but that was my misinterpretation I'm, because he had a child, and of course I should never assume that. I mean, they didn't really hint at it one way or another in the past couple episodes. Right. Um, but obviously it's playing a part all of a sudden. Also, um, he tried to seduce him like with his crotch. He like put his crotch in Will Drake's face. Yeah, and I feel you know I feel like we're still like, like a little bit. Got it. <laughs> I feel like we're the, the you know the writers are selling the Drake character a little bit short here because let's okay Tristan was been kind of a dickhead and pretty much destroyed his whole yeah big um you know show that he had here and all of a sudden he's like oh you're hot so I'm gonna forgive it yeah um 
you know, seemed a little bit questionable. How are you feeling at this point about the whole Tristan character? <sighs> After he tried to seduce... Um... Are we going this far to Will? After he tried to seduce Will Drake, and he looked up, and right before he was going, and the Countess s- says no. The Countess mm-hmm. is like no, yeah. Also, uh, a side note: Gaga, I think, is best is best utilized as an actress when she isn't like giving lines where she's just posing or doing things. She kills it. She's so good. Anyway, just like in her music videos, really great. Um, but with with Tristan, uh, I was really surprised to see this the the story his storyline with um the countess get expedited from zero to a hundred back down to zero really quickly i was like where is this going because she just dropped donovan who she had been with for like what like 15 years since the 90s 20 years maybe um uh for this this model guy that she just saw on the runway a week ago or two days ago uh, so that that was kind of weird to me. Um, Tristan, I still think is a dummy, and he's gonna and he's gonna learn the ways that the Countess is gonna teach him. But I still think he's gonna screw up somehow. That's gonna be the ultimate um, demise of the hotel in some form. At least maybe just a little bit of it, but in some form he'll be responsible for it because he's an idiot. He's a little. He's a dumb horn dog. Agreed. And actually, you know. There was an interesting comment in an, yet another email, um, a theory that maybe Tristan, in kind of all his resisting, you know, in the comments he's made about, like, totally not being gay, maybe he's the, you uh, know, he actually is gay, and that's part of his would, coping mechanism is, like, vigorously denying it, which... That'd be would, a very Ryan know, Murphy move. <laughs> it would be, and the evidence is kind of there so far, and considering in this episode and last episode, they've certainly had him... Yeah, he's always uh, seducing ...in those guys. tensions already. Yeah, he right, and... Um, women. And so it kind of seems, obviously, a little bit confused. He's, you know, clearly has some feelings of anger and stuff that he is sorting out um and i think the theory was that maybe he's going to end up breaking the countess's heart and sinking the whole hotel somehow that way i'm not sure if i would go that far but i do think that there's something there in the fact that in especially compounded in this episode that he's again seducing another man uh to take it another another to another level though what do you think of finn Whitrock as tristan versus how he was as dandy last season i think I mean, I've never heard. I have never heard of Finn Wittrock before last season, and he was great as Dandy. Obviously, he was Emmy nominated for it, which is fantastic, definitely well deserved. And him reprising a role, actually not reprising, I guess, but becoming a, a new character in this season is. I think he's doing a great job. He's fantastic. He's a good actor. He's really good. And I looked him up a little bit. I guess he went to Juilliard. Did he really? So I, he's I, I like, seriously he's like legit, and he's actually older than I thought too. How old do you think he is? Oh, well, let's play this game real quick. Who? Let's go with the age. Who is the oldest between or among uh, Finn Wittrock, uh Matt Bomer, and Wes Bentley? Oldest, youngest. Mm, I would go. Whew. Wes Bentley is the oldest. I'd probably go the reverse order. I'd go Wes Bentley. Um, I would go Matt Bomer, and then I go Finn Wittrock. Okay, but give me ages. I get exact ages. Okay, Wes Bentley. I'm gonna say thirty-four. Uh, Matt Bomer. I'm gonna say thirty-two. And Finn Wittrock. I would say thirty. Okay, so I thought Matt Bomer was uh, probably the oldest. 
only because you can see like his grays in his uh his beard his a little beard. bit. Yeah. Wes Bentley, thirty seven years old. Mm, okay, so old older than we would have thought. Finn Wittrock, thirty years old. Ah. But actually turning thirty one in one week. Okay, so I was uh, I was close on that one. Matt Bomer, who you thought was my age, let me remind you. <laughs> Thirty-eight. Oh, really? So he's Dude. the oldest of the three. He's kind of so like, called that. He's kind of like my uh, uh, like idol to look forward to or to to, to aspire to look that age when I'm thirty-eight. Also, he's from St. Louis. That's cool. I just noticed that. It is cool. Good luck though, because I have a feeling that he probably goes to the gym for like five hours a day. What are you, <laughs> what are you saying, Tyler? I'm just saying that that is not a. Uh, I think what you're you know, saying is accurate. I do not go to the gym for five hours a day. <laughs> People don't care about this. Sorry. Anyway. I, false, uh, you know, unreasonable aspirations, my friend. You're beautiful <laughs> as you are. Thank you. <laughs> um, I think that that is interesting. And I, I do want to say that. Uh, so here's the deal. I think that Finn Wittrock is a great actor. I think yes. he's a great actor. I thought that Dandy was a fantastic character. I do not love Tristan as a character at this point in time. But is that because I, you don't like him as a character or because Finn Wittrock's not doing a good job? No, it's because I don't like him as a character. He's doing a good job for what the character is. I just don't like that character. Mm. <laughs> I think it's not... I don't know. I think that he's more talented than that. And like he, He's just coming out of his... He's, know, he's, he, his character's not very complex. Right there's, not, there's not much depth to him yet. Exactly. And I think that's what I don't like because Dandy was such a crazy, insane character that yes. was enjoyable in that sense. Um Maybe the best character in Freak Show, him and Twisty, would be pretty, you know, I would say give us a run for our money. Yeah. Um, Ooh, yeah. But, I, yeah, I'm just not a... I just feel like the character is pretty one-dimensional at this point. Um, so, I, you know, I'm a little bit restrained at this point in really kind of applauding what's going on there. But, you know, of course I'm open-minded. We're only at episode three. He's only been in the season since last episode. So we'll try to see where it's going. Now, I want to dive more into this whole Donovan thing. Um, we really dig into the relationship between Donovan and Iris in this episode. Um, I was, was going to say, clearly the theme, or the story is, or sorry, the episode is called Mommy. And um, when I was thinking about what the themes are for this episode, one of them is lost, but the biggest one is clearly parenting or motherhood in this case. Well, and as a, a pretty legit horror fan yourself, I'd like... Um, you know, we've seen this kind of theme arise in a lot of different classic horror movies. Uh, I mean, if you had to articulate, I guess, what the classic dynamic is between, you know, mother and child that kind of fuels a lot of horror movies, what would you what would you say? My immediate thought, and I think people have their own movies or, or films or, or same thing or TV shows or or novels that they they relate this to. But I, I always think of Carrie. <laughs> Uh, an overprotective mother uh, um, trying to be a part of their child's life but not letting that child go. And I feel like that's what we're getting with Iris and uh, Donovan. Um, just wanting to be close to the, the child and, and not want to let go. Also uh, replicated in the storyline with Alex and Holden, um, who is that's the other uh, mother-child dynamic where we see that relationship really exemplified uh as a theme 
What do, I Absolutely. mean, is that when you think about the mother? I think that's. Think? I think the. I think the Carrie is is an excellent. I mean, it's it's. I would say probably the like you said the almost the genesis for a lot of these mother mm-hmm. child dynamics that have appeared in horror movies. I mean, you see it all the time. I think there's actually a horror movie that just came out recently called Mommy. Oh yeah, um, or Mama. Mama, that's right. Oh, I know, uh, but Mommy. I, there's one called, called. There's an Australian one that just came out called. I'm I'm seeing it this week. I can't remember what it's called, but it's about a, a, these twins and the mom. It's Australian, and the mom goes and gets like plastic surgery, and then she comes back, and it's like this whole anyway. I'll tell you about it next week on the on the podcast. But I've heard about that, and I've heard it's great. But that is, it, anyway. I mean, I think that you're talking. I mean, like you were saying, this overprotective mother motif, I guess, mm-hmm. is is kind of a classic horror movie trope, mm-hmm. and we are really seeing it play out, and um, to the point where. I mean, Donovan is obviously has over time rebelled against his mother as much as he could possibly. Um, he goes so far as to say that he tried to kill himself simply to get away from his mother through drug overdoses. This whole interaction between the two of them when he's talking about why didn't you let me die like I wanted to die was just heartbreaking. I always thought he would come back and say like, okay, like I recognize that you do love me even though your intentions or how you acted – what didn't really uh, um, work the way they were supposed to, but good God, he it well, was maybe ruthless. It, well, maybe he will. You know, once maybe that's what the end of the episode is trying to to say. But at this point, he says some really vicious things. I mean, he he tells her to kill himself. So the fact that he to kill herself. So the fact that he's like surprised at at the end. I mean, the, as horrible things as he says. Yeah, um, it's like you're. How old? How old do you think you? I mean, we just talked about how old the actor was, but how old do you think he was? When he was uh, when he OD'd with uh, hypodermic Sally, because that's the age he's technically been for the past twenty years, right? Right, he's not supposed to have age. I would say early twenties. I mean, what do you think? I would say like, well, because of the gray beard, I would say like maybe late twenties. But so essentially, he has not like grown up since <laughs> in those twenty years to at least evolve in, in enough maturity in a mature way to recognize that his mom has been there for 20 years because she loves him i'm well i mean he still lived that whole time though so he still has experience but he's continued to despise her no matter the fact that well and i think that he's not acknowledging the fact that she you know he i mean i guess he he doesn't have to be there like sally does because he's not dead he has chosen to be there because he's in a relationship with the countess but also his mother didn't have to be there and she chose to be the front Stay in this horrible, terrible place just so she could be near him. Um, but he didn't want her near him. And I feel like, though, this whole exchange didn't really go that deep into, like, what she really did to him. I mean, you right. get the feeling that she's overprotective. And he says, like, oh, you drove my father away. Um, and I loved my, you know, we get the feeling right, that he actually right. left she's his like, father. Oh, your father who didn't notice you were in the back of the trunk for, yeah, in the trunk for yada yada miles. Yeah. I didn't feel like we it was fully justified his anger toward her. Uh, maybe that's something that will be continued to be teased out. Um, I definitely guarantee it will. I mean, I mean, if we've learned anything from American Horror Story or Ryan Murphy and Brad Felchuk, is that they love to deal with mommy issues. I love that they've come straight out and had an episode called Mommy. Well, and I think I even went so far as to post on our Facebook wall this week an article from Vox that was talking about how American Horror Story has even changed even more since Ryan Murphy became a dad and how it's so clear in his shows, both this show and in Scream Queens, 
his like paranoia of being a parent, yep. which I think is is so clear in this season. Clearly, absolutely. It's not. Um, I mean, not that it needs to change, but it's nice to know. I mean, congratulations to him that he's a father. But I love that that uh, that's kind of pushed a little um, revitalization into uh, some of the storylines that deal with parenting, which generally in the past they've been very depressing and negative toward parents and their children. And yeah, and I think it's worth noting, like you were saying, that like this is not a new theme necessarily. I mean, think of, I mean, we had the Violet and Tate or in season one. I mean, we had, um, in the most re- or in Coven, there was Cordelia and uh, Jessica Lang's. Yeah, goddamn, Jessica uh, Lang's Fiona, Fiona. Um, and obviously, last season we had a similar uh, thing with um, Kathy Bates and. Uh... And uh, Evan Peters, right? We yeah, with the bearded. Where they just hate their parents, right? And so parenting is not necessarily a new theme, but uh, I think that was inspired. I again, I have no idea, but if I if I saw these shows and I knew Ryan Murphy was the one who wrote the episodes, I would think, wow, he had some issues with his parents growing up. Now it's nice to see him working through it and running to the suicidal mother. And uh, it seems like we're feeling a little bit more sympathy in the set of the parents, maybe, than we have in the past. Well, I am because I'm old, but (laughs) you don't have children. (laughs) I do not have children. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Um, So obviously that conversation. Can we pause real quick? Can we time out? I just want to go fill my cup up. I should have brought it with me. It'll take 20 seconds. Sorry about that. Oh, no problem. Did you see the mess one? Did I what? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They swept the Cubs. That sucks. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, 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 at this point, I'm excited because everyone's an underdog. I love point, every so. every team storyline. I, I, I agree. That's what I've been saying over here. Um, Obviously, I'm kind of rooting for the Royals just because I'm in the... I lived in Kansas City. I like the Royals a lot. That's right. Yeah, so, and they, I mean, given my Giants took them out last year. So it, it'd be nice for them to get that, but I I like the Mets. I like I, I I wanted the Cubs just because I had a Cubs hat from when I lived there. <laughs> I know it's such a cool stadium. And then I think I mean it'll be a fun. I, I think Mets Royals will be a fun series. Yeah, and the Blue Jays are pretty tight too. But oh my god, the Royals are just killing it on hits. Holy shit! Fourteen I mean, to the two Blue yesterday. Jays out today, but yeah, that yesterday was hell of a Holy round. cow! I love it. Anyway, <sighs> anyway, back to the Sorry. podcast. <clears throat> No, it's okay. Back to work. So um, after that kind of confrontation with his mother, Donovan, he doesn't become a user. So he doesn't become a user in the sense that he's actually going back and injecting himself with needles again. But he's going and like sucking the blood of users, which we learned from uh, Countess Gaga that you're not allowed to drink from the feeble, the sick, the old. You're supposed to avoid that tainted blood, exactly. Which kind of and he your went system. right to it. Mm-hmm. Um, that is until he gets uh, kidnapped. He's apparently out to. It looks like probably try to kill Ramona, but uh, man, is she ready for him? Oh, she's um, I clearly love she her. was stalking him. Yeah, she, clearly she was stalking him. Um, and she, I think she like tases him in the neck before she takes him back and plugs him in his little her little. Uh, she does blood chair, blood cleansing machine, right. Um, looks like a dialysis machine or something like that. Um, so, 
let's talk about him waking up in the machine. Um, he, we first meet Ramona. First impressions. We see this kind of montage of what she's, what her background know, her story. story. Mm-hmm. Let, talk about the. I, I'm a huge fan of this genre of films. So she, black exploitation. She <laughs> is a star from the black exploitation films of the late '70s, uh, or mid to late '70s. <clears throat> a la Pam Greer, Foxy Brown, um, like just just one of the those films were developed uh, initially to um, cater to kind of like the urban culture, but then they picked up big time with um, audiences that weren't specifically urban uh, and got a lot of attention for it. I mean, again, I just said Pam Greer, but Pam Greer is like the motherfucking shit. Love her. So she's kind of like that type of a person. Uh, who was trying to break into uh, a little more mainstream films, not these B, not these B films, but mainstream films. Uh, and uh, she has this conversation with uh, it looks like a casting director or a producer or something like that at the Hotel Cortez. I'm going a little farther with her story here, and uh, she uh, is trying to convince him that she's right for the role instead of uh, did she say Farrah Fawcett? I think she threw Farrah Fawcett's name in there, but anyway. They're clearly looking for someone who's white and she's black and uh, someone who's done. And they, they he tries to correct her and says, no, 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 we're just looking for a serious actress. And she's like, yo, I'm serious. So serious that she's like trying to seduce him a little bit and say, like, you know, I'm down to hit the casting couch. And then Gaga or Countess Gaga, I'm going to call her that from now on, shows up and like basically says, shoo. To, to the guy and he bounces and she starts to seduce Ramona Ramona Royale dope name oh my god that name's so good I, I, I that's such a baller name um, and then from then and then we kind of get a fast forward into their their relationship for the next I think they were in a relationship till like early 90s right almost 15 years I was paying attention yeah. was like like 14 years or something like that yeah. I think they break up in like 91 and they were together since 77, maybe? 77 or 78, so right around there is when they met. Uh-huh. And then it was just Fast and Furious for a couple years. And then come early 90s when the hip-hop thing started happening. I love that uh, Angel or Ramona is like right around when uh, Biggie and Tupac were starting to uh, make some noise. It was uh, Prophet Moses. Prophet Moses. Yep, she falls for that West Coast scene. Yes, because she's in L.A., which... Back then, that was the uh, NWA uh, initial uh, um, launch into stardom. That sounds terrible, launch into stardom. I hate that. It's the initial uh, uh, popular recognition for what they were doing. Right, and and she ends up turning Moses into a vampire, although... um, Trying to. Right, though the Countess shows up and kills his whole crew and him. Right, blasts his whole face off, and is like just totally distraught, crying. Um, and this is this is basically Ramona's whole um, uh, um, argument of why Donovan needs to join up and team up with her to take down uh, the Countess. My one problem with this, Tyler, and then correct me if I'm wrong, is yes, that the Countess is a weird person and is a vampire so that's kind of cray but did ramona not cheat on her like like 
I, she does say like, oh, I finally fell in love with someone else. Well, like, who, what the hell was happening for the past fifteen years with the Countess? I, I, I want to be on Ramona's side because I like I like Angela Bassett and I like Pam Greer and Foxy Brown, but I don't understand. I'm, I'm still not sold on why I want to be on her side narratively. <laughs> what do you think? I think there. I had a number of troubles with this. I love the. The, the way it was filmed. Oh my I god! I love the flash. I love the way it was filmed. Bradley Buecher is the director for this uh, episode. Amazing. That's the yeah. That stuff was great, but there's a number of like holes I feel, and maybe we'll maybe we'll be more informed about these. I hope so. So what's the motive of um, the Countess going after Ramona? Because it's, you know the Countess seeks out Ramona. Um, she in, must have just well, been so scorned. I, I, I guess she really thought that for the I, again again fifteen years and and the way she portrays it super passionate that maybe she just but I'm even it. talking at just the beginning like why did the countess seek out Ramona in the first place I mean with both Donovan and Tristan those both those guys kind of fell into her arms at the hotel Cortez right. we know that she doesn't necessarily venture out of the hotel you know except in the cover of night for a specific reason right. typically feeding. Um, so we don't really, I mean, understand that much about the dynamics of this relationship to begin with. And the way that the, I, the way that it's portrayed in the elevator, I, you know, when we slowly kind of see them like not caring about each other as much, I thought that was super cheesy. I did not like the way that we showed that like over time and like them with their backs Different turned to each other. Like yeah. it, it felt like some kind of odd couple shit or yeah. something like that. I did not like that. And then all of a sudden, yeah, it's like, you know, we're not really that in love anymore. But all of a sudden when you cheat on me with this prophet, I'm going to kill guy, eight people in the studio. I, I'm going to flip shit yeah. and do that. Even though the Countess nowadays doesn't seem to have a whole lot of problem with somebody cheating on somebody else for yeah whatever personal reasons. I mean, maybe it's because that, you know, Ramona actually was in love with this guy versus having some sort of political motive. But regardless, I agree with you that it doesn't necessarily add up for me. Yeah. Um, I, I, I mean, with Gaga or Countess, um, she... She flips so easily on people that I, I I don't understand why she would be so scorned and so upset with someone. I, I actually I take that back. Like of course you know when someone you've been with someone fifteen years twenty years you're gonna be upset, but I don't I, I don't understand why. Um, I don't understand the revenge for uh, Ramona just yet. Like she had hooked up with this rapper. It looked like for like a week maybe. I don't I don't I'm I'm not really clear on the timeline. That is she that scorned of a of a lover that she wants to come back uh, twenty five years later to uh, kill or take down Countess. Mm-hmm. Well, and I mean, I think that Ramona says something at the end of this sequence, like you know, she couldn't uh, referring to the Countess, she couldn't have her creations creating something else. So she doesn't take it as necessarily uh, the Countess being pissed off that you know in terms of being a scorned lover but more like she she likes to be the queen bee she couldn't have somebody else creating more vampires she has to be the one at the top of the nest and felt like maybe Ramona was encroaching upon that somehow I don't know if we've seen evidence of that yet um, but maybe that's going to enlighten us a little bit more I, I guarantee like especially with um, Donovan now teamed up with Ramona that we will absolutely see uh, the countess's side on uh, some, on that storyline. Well, and their revenge plan is to kill the mini the children, the children, Holden yeah, and kill the, the other mini kids. vampires. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, 
So I think we'll learn a little bit more about what the countesses, why those kids are I mean, necessary. Why? And I, we, we've been hinted, hinted at that a little bit. Like she, you know, they're kind of a, a purity blood filter for her right now. You know, they drink someone else's blood and she drinks their blood. Um, but, uh, you know, that hasn't been set out right yet. So I'm sure we'll learn more about that. Of course, in the meantime, um, Iris kind of takes Donovan's advice to heart and decides that she's going to have Sally... All right, oh, who, I mean, who you go to if you want to oh die? Dear. Clearly Sally. A couple things about Sally. Um, and this so this was pointed out by another uh, email. Um, she's got some bruising around her neck that... Um, it's always there. Are we, are we supposed to think that that came from her falling out the window, or is that something else we haven't realized yet? Um, I'd like to... I'd have to rewatch episode one, or... Is it episode one? Yeah. And see if that was there before she gets pushed out the window. Another thing, she always has that thing around her throat, which makes me think of Marsh hiding his, you know, in last episode, hiding his, like, slit throat under a scarf. So oh, right. yeah. I'm wondering if, if there's something else going on there as well. But, um... Iris wants to die. She can't continue to live without Donovan. Um, she's super depressed. There's nothing else to live for. Did you feel bad for Iris at this point in time? I, you know, what? I love Kathy Bates, but I'm, I, I, I did feel bad when um, Donovan walked out the door and she was crying, cause you know, you know, God damn it! At the end of the day, unless this mother was like uh, Kyle's mother, I think, and like touched you and like did really terrible things to you, if they just, if their biggest sin is loving you too much, as God bless her, uh, Liz Taylor points out, like that, you know, you got to throw your mom a bone. That sound that was a terrible, <laughs> for, especially after referencing yeah, Kyle's oh mom. <laughs> what I'm just what I'm trying to say is like it's your mom. Just you know, be nice. You know, and I, and I get what you're saying. That's why I'm like after 20 years of him like dealing with his mom being annoying, he still has not recognized this. Thank God for uh, Liz Taylor to uh, give some moonshine sense into uh, our dear Donovan. For sure. And as we noted before, it almost doesn't seem like we have enough of a reason to think that Iris was such a terrible mother to think that this is all justified. And so I felt I did feel bad for her. We also learned another important thing in this scene, which is that um, the reason Sally's still around is she seems to have unfinished business. Um, right. That's the first we've heard of that, too. Right, so apparently if you continue to exist kind of as a ghost in this purgatory, you have to have some sort of unfinished business. So we assume that Sally has unfinished business of some sort, and maybe this harkens back to some of the things she said, um, especially regarding Gabriel in past episodes. Um, of course, she shoots Cyrus up. Uh, it takes a long time for her to really kind of... She's, she's like, dude, I gave you like it. enough to take down a marching band. I laughed at that. That was good. Yeah, so the drugs don't do it, so they go move on to Plan B, and Sally puts a bag over her head. <laughs> she's like, also when she empties the bag out, stuff falls out, and she's like, "Ugh, Iris!" Like, I want to know what was in that bag. And also, for anybody who was wondering, the whole thing with the mirror is that's an old thing where like you put a mirror under somebody's nose to see if it fogs up, and that tells you whether or not that person is dead yet. Yes. Um, in the meantime, of course, Donovan has returned to the hotel. He has nowhere else to go. He's feeling depressed now, kind of similar to how his mom was feeling earlier. Um, and Liz Taylor does give him, like you said, the old one too about what you know it means to have a mother who cares about you. I also loved his line that was like, uh, "I've got a floppy appendage between my legs, and that doesn't keep me from wearing, or that keeps me from wearing pencil skirts or whatever." Did that remind <laughs> you of lines. Freak Show when he had like the super big wiener? That's <laughs> yes, what I was yes. thinking. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I am excited to explore that. Like 
he's just been an interesting side character. I hope we learn more about her, her, learn more about her to come. Um, now, basically, Donovan seems to regret his actions a little bit. Runs in, finds Iris isn't dead. Uh, ends up well, she is almost dead. The way he ends up saving her, of course, is through slicing himself open and having her drink his blood. Right. Which, up until now, has been kind of a sexual act, so it's a little bit creepy that that's happening. Um, I think Sally kind of even makes a comment to that uh, extent, but I guess we can assume that Iris is going to be back alive, but now she's going to be like Donovan and kind of almost undead at this point, um, somewhere between life and death. Iris is still surviving. Right. Uh, maybe him and his mother are going to have a new... Maybe him and his mother and Angela Bassett are going to like team up against the Countess at this point. I don't know. Is that the three-way? Ooh. That, that would be a nasty three-way. <laughs> uh, the one thing that we haven't talked about yet is... Um, John. The Well, we haven't talked at all about John, but I want to talk before that. Um, the little scene between Countess and Drake. Uh, you oh, know, yeah. she takes him out for a night in the town. Um, she's kind of seducing him. He straight up um, says, "Like, you know, I'm gay, right?" But she still manages to. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, it, I got you though. No, her her sexual allure can overcome yeah. any anybody's sexuality. Apparently, um, she gets him uh, pretty quickly. Well, and he is not finding the creativity he had hoped to within the hotel. Hope, excuse me, the hotel Cortez. He's still the well is dry. As he says, he says something about dry, like Bermuda uh, uh, shorts or something. I don't know. It was funny. I think that I he knew says it was a that joke. he he drew he drew, he like made a pair of Bermuda shorts with cannabis plants illustrated <laughs> on them or something like that. Oh, um, but then Tristan enters and gets all jealous for a second, uh, and she has to go and explain to him the reason for it, which is she's going to marry Drake and then kill him, so that way she inherits all his money. Um, that's a tired storyline. So it is tired, and I thought the whole Bernie Madoff tie-in was oh, kind of dumb. Oh god, that was just too like. Come on, really? That's just trying to. I thought that was trying to tie in current events too much. I was like, and then did Countess lost her fortune in a motherfucking Ponzi scheme? Yeah, that was stupid. Yeah, yeah. So whatever, we'll see where that goes. I was not a huge fan of. It. Let's hope they don't mention Bernie Madoff again god. later on. Now let's talk about John Lowe. Um. We open, you know, his story with Alex, um, and I want to say that the kid of measles she's treating, the mother, is Madchen Amick, who was, of course, Shelly on Twin Peaks. I don't know how we missed that last I, episode. That was pointed out to us via email. Pisses the hell out of me. I, we, Tyler and I had a conversation outside of the podcast about how stupid we were that we missed this and how amazing it is that this is this person is being used. Also, Shelly looks different, but still great. And I don't mean that in a sexist way. I mean that in a, like, like she's killing it. She's great. Well, and they are coming out with, like, you know, Showtime's having Twin Peaks revamped, basically, which I think I think she's appearing in. I, I hope I so. I, so, I th- you know, I think that's coming up. But, uh, you know, obviously, in the past couple episodes, we've already referenced Twin Peaks. So awesome that she's here is kind of a nod to that. Um, but we kind of continue with this whole... You know who won't be um, appearing in Twin Peaks? Someone who's dead? Log Lady? Are you going to talk about Log Lady? That's who I wanted to be for Halloween. But now when she died, like, like, like I, I've had two friends that say that they're going to do Log Lady. But anyway. I'm pour one out for her, I guess. Uh, kid with measles. But maybe we have, or Laura Palmer. She won't show up. Laura Palmer. She might. 
Actually, she might as a flashback. Anyway, sorry. Okay, let's continue. <laughs> we could do a whole podcast about Twin Peaks. Maybe we will. Well, that, maybe that'll be an epilogue to this season. <laughs> um, but we learn a little bit about Alex in this scene. You know, she talks about you know saving children because she had a poor childhood. Um, right. I don't know if this is as deep as we're going to get into her origin story. I'm not a huge fan of her character, so I kind of hope it is. I agree with you. I agree with you. It's it's a it's it's. I'm happy that I've heard a little more about her, but then I'm like, well, yeah, actually, maybe I don't care. Also, like your character kind of sucks. Well, and she talks about how Holden showed up and it totally changed her life and she loved him so much, but it isn't clear she why that, she loves Holden so much more than her other child. Right. She said Holden was her soulmate and not John and that, yeah, like like someday she doesn't know why she wants to live or how she wants to live. And someday she's like, well, Scarlet's cool. Like, it's like you're like backup friend. Like, you know, I got this, but, I, you know, it's not my, it's not like Tyler. I mean, to be fair, neither one of us has been a mother before, but I, you know, it just, I feel like we don't have enough explanation here about why this sudden connection with her second child versus her first child, who she doesn't really seem to give that much of a shit about. I mean, I guess they called the police when she disappeared, but she certainly wasn't keeping a close eye on Scarlett when she ran back to the Hotel Cortez last episode. I mean, the biggest thing is... Not that Lo was either. We know for a fact, though, that she's still, as this, this has been hammered over our heads, that she blames John for the John and whoever took um, Holden uh, however many years ago uh, for for that the change in their life and, and she didn't I want mean, to be a mother still... she did not want to be a mother mm-hmm. and she... it wasn't until Holden that she thought found some kind of right. purpose with she it, was I a guess. career she was a career pediatrician and then she had Holden and that changed her life right well and then we we discovered they're in kind of family therapy. Um, which we, I kind of assumed that they had been in since Holden had disappeared. Um, it probably is a coping mechanism for everybody. Um, but clearly they haven't gone too far because uh, Alex still blames Lo for, for loss of Holden. Um, Lo blames himself for loss of Holden. And uh, Scarlet is the one who seems to be the most stable and is trying to say, no, for real, I actually saw Scarlet's Holden. He dope. showed me this like crazy... Her. Yeah, she's like, no, I really saw this video game room in the swimming pool. And they're like, oh... You know, the, that's so sweet that you're trying to make us feel... Well, at first they're like, actually, we're kind of pissed at you because you're just trying to make us feel bad. But then the therapist is like, no, maybe she's trying to make you guys feel better. And then she's like, no, guys, for no, no, real. No. I no. saw Holden for I real. Saw that he, smelled like, he smelled like a lavender. And then Alex was like... She's like, oh my God. Hold up. lavender in my mouth Lavender. For like 20 minutes. That's my drug of choice. I even said so. Like, <laughs> do you have some baby head I can smell? Because it's lavender. <laughs> <laughs> That's creepy. Uh, um, and so, kind of continuing this storyline, uh, low storyline, essentially. Claudia, Naomi Campbell, already dead. Uh, Gabriel springs out of the bed, and um, we kind of see like a flash of drill bit dildo in her bathroom table, I think, before Gabriel springs out of the bed and throttles her. Still not really sure what's going on there, like why he hibernated until you... the point that someone yeah, laid there. I'm confused about that, too. Again, it's American Horror Story, so we'll not get the answer <laughs> until yeah he just he all of a sudden you know maybe that pressure on I his chest he wakes died. him up did he die and well we knew that there was some kind of like i mean just like that creature supernatural someone it's like they go into some hibernation until someone like puts pressure on the bed then they jump out and freak the fuck out and kill you and grab some scissors and uh stabs her poor claudia sorry naomi I mean, she has reappeared already as like an undead thing wandering the This is one of my problems I'm going to talk about when we do our recap. But, uh, you know, 
In the meantime, John and his partner continue to investigate the Ten Commandments killer deaths. They make another connection. Um, all these gossip bloggers. This gossip bloggers have their tongues nailed to the table because they bared false witness because they Lied. trafficked in lies or whatever they said. Um, and then you know what? I wish. Okay, no man, go ahead. I was going to say on the way, then on the way back to the hotel, Lo runs into Gabriel in the lobby. Ends up taking Gabriel to the hospital where. Then Gabriel dies How? in the hospital. I thought he already died, and then he, like, I thought he became a ghost of the place, and then, but as a ghost, you can actually leave, and that also was reflected in um, uh, Donovan's character. I thought, I, I guess they're different, because Donovan became a virus vampire, and then uh, Sally has unfinished business, but I thought with Gabriel, I'm, I'm so confused about... Who who can do what? <laughs> well, you know, Gabriel basically gives Lo two pieces of information. The first one is he killed somebody. We don't know. Lo doesn't know who it is. The second piece is that it was Sally who convinced him to kill her, or had something to do with him being in this state, whatever. So Lo returns to the hotel, Cortez, looking for Sally, ends up um, arresting her, and trying her about to Gabriel. arrest her. Well, and then they have a real weird sexual tension in the elevator. She insinuate like she hints that like she may be familiar with the Ten Commandments killer. She gives uh, him a hand job. Yeah, he thinks that maybe she is. Then he lets her stick her hands down his pants. A handy in um, the elevator. Then she cries while he licks his ear. It feels like junior high all over again. And uh, then she makes a statement that like she's clarifying that like the Ten Commandments say you know you know killing somebody it's not against killing it's about anybody it's about murder specifically killing somebody can be a righteous right act. so then she i think that's what that was interesting triggered it because he's saying like it basically insinuates that she is siding with the ten commandments killer um which we haven't seen a whole lot of religion out of her yet so i don't know that i really i don't think she is the ten commandments killer right i, I have some comments about her character when we're wrapping up but in the elevator we see a flash kind of in this strobe lighting that was creepy fact, we, that was creepy we see I like that. we see we see Drillbit Dildo appear again. Behind. He's just kind of like a, a creature that just appears in shadows. Drillbit Dildo sounds like uh, a, a guy that should be on the Blue Collar Comedy Tour. <laughs> he's the really dirty guy. Mm-hmm. At this point, I think that... I don't know like if he really Larry exists. I think guy. he's like he's like a, a creature of people's nightmares, you know? And when they're like really starting to lose it. Um, that being said, he, he does he's not, like a manifestation he, of nightmares. I, I agree with you on that. But he, that being said, he does not uh, he does not get to me like um, like the rubber suit guy or um, or bloody face or um, uh, clown twisty. Thank you. You know, you, God, you're in my head, man. Exactly. You know exactly where I'm going. Uh, just not yet. I, but maybe he's not supposed to be that person. Maybe he's just supposed to be like a like a minion, like a like a uh what were the what, what was um her character alex um when she was in the asylum well she became a rasper, a rasper. But i don't remember rasper. i don't remember it reminds me of kind of like a rasper that's just kind of just anyway well and that's why i said like he's almost a manifestation of nightmares it's not like he i don't think that he's an actual serial killer like i it's hard to tell whether or not he actually exists as a physical entity or whether he's like you know Right. 
It's kind of, you know, it kind of reminds me of, like, in The Dark, or in uh, Batman Begins, where they got, like, the Scarecrow who, like, you know, he puts the bag on his face and, like, so sprays good. people, and then you see these, like, uh, terrifying images. It, it feels a little bit like that, because it's always when, so far we've seen it with Gabriel and with Lowe a little bit, and it's like when somebody's, like, really not quite right in the head and is stuff like that, then they kind of see this, flashes of this manifestation. So that's what I'm equating it to at this time. We'll see if that's actually the case or not. Right. Um, other thing I want to say is that Sally here says something to Lowe. She says... You will see you and I are meant to be before she disappears. Yikes. I was going to ask if you had any sort of interpretation of that quote. So far, I, I remember hearing that, and I, I think I think is obviously it's meant to be um, open-ended to be interpreted as however people want to see the relationship. Some people will see them as, uh, as a, more of a lover's type thing. I see them more as there's a destiny there for them to to become a team in some form for some cause that I don't know yet and I, I I'm gonna harp on this for every episode but I think ultimately this season will be the demise of not pos- not necessarily the hotel itself but the but the people who live in the hotel or the hierarchy of the hotel that's gonna change because of certain people like we've talked about like Donovan um, Ramona uh Iris and Sally, who needs to cross over. Good God, she she seems like she's just ready to go. Um, and then and John will be the key to it. John's going to be the key to it because he's kind of like the one. He's the straight man in this, right? He he's he's the he's the uh, John Krasinski for The Office. You know, he's that guy. So he's gonna like obviously, or he's uh, uh, Dylan McDermott or Connie Britton, like the the you know the regular people that there's going to be a sacrifice on their part in some form to make some big thing happen. How do you feel? You know, I, I don't necessarily know how to interpret this either. And I think that you're onto a couple different things there. I think that I threw out the idea maybe last episode that maybe John's been dead the whole time. Oh yeah. And I'm still going to say that I don't, I'm not going to say that's that I don't think that anymore. I think so it's still a possibility. Mad. And I, her saying that made, like, made me think that, I don't know, maybe maybe that's what she's saying. And I think that maybe, I don't know, maybe that has to do with like why the clock keeps ringing at that time in his room. It's like maybe he died at that time or something like that. And obviously it's not like a sixth sense thing because people see him in the real world. And he had an actual and He made out with thing. his soon-to-be ex-wife. But yeah, but I'm like, I maybe I'm too much of a Shining fan, but I'm thinking <laughs> like... You know, Jack Torrance in the photo from, you know, the 1920s when yep. you look back and see that he's like, he's always he there. there. Yeah. Yeah. You've, you've been here. You've always been here. That's that's like what I'm the vibe I'm getting from him right now. He, well, because he's kind of going through a tra- Jack Torrance kind of transformation where like he's OK to begin with. He's losing. Isn't it. really isn't really a drinker, but like he's getting pressured to drink, certainly by everybody, including his ex-wife wife slash soon to be ex-wife yeah and he is clearly losing his pieces and so you're seeing i'm seeing those parallels and maybe that's what where that's driving me toward so obviously I, I already alluded to the next scene but alex shows up and not only is she trying to press him into a divorce but she's encouraging him to drink even though he clearly doesn't feel comfortable uh, that was a weird moment to me i don't know if you felt the same way it was weird but uh, he starts having a breakdown, thinks he's going crazy, um, also has insomnia, which... Who wouldn't uh, at that point? 
Right. Well, how would you be able to sleep in a place like Get that? Get out of there, man. Again, read the Yelp reviews. But Alex gives him some like sleeping pills, and he's got like a crazy homeland wall going on with like all the different threads between pictures and shit like that. Uh, and she's, she kind of comments on it. And then they like almost have sex. He wants to have another baby, and she's into it for like ten seconds. And Not even. Like, yeah. Whoa, but what yeah. am I doing? Yeah. He's trying to save that marriage. So clearly, she still loves him, but like I think that she's so broken up about losing Holden that she can never forgive him for that. Right. Um, until of course she stumbles across Holden in the hall, dude, and he says, "Hi, mommy." Also, she runs across Claudia, who insults her fashion decisions. <laughs> Love it. That's classic uh, Ryan Murphy, Brad Falchuk. So of course, this is the scene we end on where she finds Holden again. Uh, and he doesn't run away. I thought he was going to run away because every time... Like he has from low. Every time he's run away exactly. from Exactly. Yep. So where are we going? I guess what I'm ending this with is where are we going from here in terms of Alex I think finding I'll, Holden finally? Because, um, uh, oh, Lord, I'm forgetting her name. Countess, Sally, uh, Alex. What's Alex's name? Chloe Sevigny. Chloe, Chloe Sevigny. I think this is us finally being able to bring her in because she's she's uh, a main build actress on this, uh, bringing her into the hotel. So now she's in. So I think that's part of it, uh, getting her to be more incorporated into the culture of what's happening there. Um, I think we're gonna have to delve clearly way more into the the these three. It's three children, I believe, who are these that provide the blood for the countess. Two boys, one girl. Two boys, one right? girl. That's what is that? I think that's what it is. That sounds a little bit too close to two girls, one cup. But continue. Oh no! Ah. Look it up. Um, don't look it up. Don't look it up. Um, so I, I think we're leaving. I, I think that was trying to get her more involved in the storyline because obviously you and I both agreed that she's kind of like the least likable character and the least important character and the least she's really ineffectual i I see her as a plot point to try to get uh john to be more disheveled and without cause like a lot of movies movie tropes go where oh this man has nothing left to lose um but getting her incorporated might make it interesting so i I mean i could be down i like chloe sevigny uh as an actress um so far i haven't liked her in this series just because her character like like probably how you feel about finn witchrock is not as exciting but i'm excited to see where they take it are you where do you think they're going to go with the with the with the storyline well clearly it's not going to be as easy as her grabbing holden's hand and then leaving the hotel yes. um, i found my child like, we're done right it seems like there's going to be you know in a, he's going to disappear or something like that and then she's going to want to stay because she's she knows that he's there and there's eventually going to be a natural confrontation that, that comes with the Countess. And we're going to learn more, like we said, about the children. And there's probably going to be conflict because Ramona comes in and wants to kill the children. And so maybe that's kind of how we unite all these stories. Um, there's a good... I think this season's done... What this season's done differently than previous seasons is... Um, actually, I take that back. Because they did do, do it pretty well in Coven. But... Um, the the way that they have different characters team up and fall apart but come together, there does seem to be this, there's not a dichotomy. 
there's everyone's got their own interests and it's really interesting to see in about 10 episodes where people end up falling and where they're going to battle each other because there's i mean obviously you're going to have to have two people going at it at the end or two teams don't you think well and i think that's one of the best things that really um murphy and falchuk do is they know they have all this talent on their you know on their roster so part of what really drives their plot forward is the i think when they're trying to put together storylines they're thinking like what interesting dynamics of characters can we put together what like great actors can we put in different combinations to see how they interact with each other i think they do a pretty good job of that in past seasons it hasn't always come off natural and i think that's part of what we have um disliked uh, a little bit in the past right so far i don't think that there's been any interactions that i'm completely like i don't understand what's going on there or why that's ma- that doesn't make necessarily make any sense to me that's not to say that won't happen. i know I mean, there, only three yeah, so sometimes characters make choices i'm like what are you doing right yeah well and like i mean again we're in episode said, three though so we try not to judge too hard. I will say, and let's go into kind of our reviews of this episode so far. I will say that I kind of felt like this episode was way more exposition than we got in the first two. Um, yeah. There was a little bit more horror element. I mean, we are still introducing new characters in the past two, but like, you know, when we introduced March in the last one, you really got that just violent horror slasher kind of feel in it a little bit more. And you kind of got that in both last the past two episodes with the Ten Commandments killer and stuff too. Right. This one felt like there was just a lot of... St- I mean, we got Alex's background story. We got uh, Ramona's background story. We had more about Iris and Donovan's, um, you know, dynamic. Uh, it just seemed like there was maybe too much that was crowded into... And this was this episode was, of course, like 30 minutes shorter than the past two episodes. And so there was, we were cramming a lot into a small space. That having been said, you know, um, I do like a lot of things that are happening. Um, I'm enjoying whenever Evan Peters is showing up. Uh, I, as much as I'm not quite believing the whole dynamic between Ramona and the Countess, I like the Ramona character, and I like the whole backstory they gave her. Um, I also like that Lowe's going crazy. I kind of saw that coming for a while, and I'm excited to see that kind of continue in his Jack Torrance path. Maybe he becomes a serial killer. In fact, I'm going to call that now that he... Go- I think he's going to go crazy and start killing people at some point in time. Uh, he's killing somebody this season. One I wish another. you guys could see us like making facial expressions to each other because I keep going like, what? Eyebrows <laughs> raise. Well, you know how I just like to throw out any theory that comes into my mind. But some of them have come through, so I'm going to throw hey, that you, out there. Yeah, now. preach. Um... So I think that overall, this episode, like I said, not sold on Tristan yet as a character. Hope he gets a little bit more complicated. I think he's kind of bland so far. Yeah. Um, I I worry about him going down the Evan Peters route. Yeah, just being a little bit too one-dimensional like he has been in the past. Who I mean, do you he's think not a protagonist, but... Evan Peters or um, Finn Wittrock? I think there's too small a sample size. I mean... That's a, God damn you, that's exactly the right answer. Because Tate was a great character, but yeah, we didn't like any of his other characters he really played. It's like, is he a good actor uh, in the past or is couple the seasons? And Dandy was a great character, but I'm not a huge fan of Tristan. And so that, I think it's the same thing. It's like, well, it comes down to who's a more interesting character, Dandy or Tristan. Yeah, or, sorry, yeah, Dandy, yeah, or yeah. Dandy or Tate. And the fact is they're both awesome characters and they're so different. Yeah. Um, I mean, 
I I I don't I don't I don't want this to sound terrible. Also, speaking of actors, but I'm kind of happy that uh, Emma Roberts, even though she's probably going to make an appearance at some point, she's for sure making an yeah. appearance. Yeah, I'm glad she's on a main character because she always plays the same character, and she's clearly playing the same character in um, uh, Scream Queens. And it's good. Well, that's she's the exact good reason they. That's why they hired her for Scream Queens. Is based on her. It's like an extension of her Coven character. Yeah. I, I and Scream what they and, said. So. I.e. I, I, Scream Four which she was the star in, which the screen movies are my favorite horror movies ever. Anyway, um, I want to make some points on my reviews, on my review for this. Oh, I didn't give my rating. Oh, yeah, give your rating, give your rating, give your rating. Three and a half, I think. Okay. I'm dropping to... You're dropping down, dog. You were four and a half, then you went I'm debating between three and a half and maybe even like three and a quarter. You know, this, I just feel like there was too many moving parts that I, I, I lost a little bit of the momentum I felt in the past two episodes. Go ahead. I see what you're saying. Um, we give quarter points, right? Uh, you know, we give whatever the hell we want because we're making the system. And up. what is it? Drilba, <laughs> dildos? What, are, what did we decide? We're doing stars. Stars. <laughs> stars. We decided. Why we, do I keep we to gra- talk about Drilba, Drillbit dildos? I give this 3.75, which is just a quarter of a point down from the past two episodes. Um, and initially, I was actually going to give a four, um, just because I felt like these three past episodes have been kind of on the same par. But I do think this one a little less, only because um, it was a little too loose. Like your mama. Burn. Like like uh, Hotel Mommy. Like, like your mommy. Uh, I I wrote four notes down for my review on this that I wanted to mention. One is like one thing that kills me about American Horror Story is there's never like death is never a stake, you know. Like people die and then they come back to life, and it's like, well, why should I care about this person if death is never a stake? And there's actually right because now that I think about it, it has not been. In season one, it's you know, people continue to live. Season two, we see the people who are alien abducted come back. I mean, even, season, season two, two is, is the closest, closest to not the closest. Being. That's why that's but my we, favorite. But remember, Grace died and she comes back. She does. Um, she does. And so does uh, the other. You know, his original wife who ends up. It was right, by but the in a weird, obscure way. But it's not like everyone comes back like Coven, where everyone comes back. You can be a fucking head, like Kathy Bates was, and you're coming back. And Freak Show, you know, they you have like, um, well, we don't. Not everyone comes back in Freak Show. Yeah, you know, we lost. We Freak lost. Show just she never came favorite. back. But Twisty kind of did. It, free, yeah, I, I agree with you. Anyway, but I think you make a great point. But I would love. I would. I, I love. I love the. I love the hotel scariness. This is one of the things that you and I wanted from the beginning of the American Horror Story. I mean, it's awesome. I, I think they're killing it a little too hard, a little overkill with like the booze, like boo, 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 boo. It's like nah, man, build that atmosphere, build that atmosphere. Again, that being said, I still love every second we're in this creepy hotel. Okay, so death not being a stick is one of them. Um, I I I always think I I love Kathy Bates, but I think Frances Conroy would be much more amazing as Iris. I think she'd be so quirky and cool and different. That's one thing. Um, I think Sally, Hyperdermic Sally, as a character, is really awesome. Um, I think it reminds me of Constance from Murder House as a peripheral character for the most part, but just a very 
important person in the bigger picture when we get to the end. And the only other thing I would say was I would love more to see about the Ten Commandments killer because that's just such a blip on the radar as this goes. And I love Seven and I love murder mysteries, so I'd love more about that. So uh, 3.75 for me. You know what I do have to say about that, though, is I think that we have to take a moment to appreciate that they're slowly building to the Ten Commandments killer because in too many past seasons we've gotten to the great mystery of who the big bad guy was You're right. way too fast. You're right. And so you got to appreciate the slow burn there a little bit. I agree. You're right. You're right. That being said, I'm well, I hurry up. I want to get there. I love that. <laughs> and it, you know, and I think we can take a minute to appreciate we're only three episodes in, and how much you know. I think we're both enjoying this season over at least the past two. Agreed. Um. Now, did you get to see the preview for next week? I did. And oh, we're gonna. You, see, yeah, did yeah. you? I did. I was. I forgot to say. So total, I think between the two of us, we're looking at um, like seven and a quarter points or seven and a quarter stars versus. You know, I think we've yeah. been around the eight range. So we dropped significantly this episode. And you know, if you disagree with that rating, please let us know. But I think that it's so great. It's just it's you know. Well, these episodes all, we, happen. Well, and I think each season when we're rating episodes, we're rating them compared to other episodes of this season. So it's not like, you know, if I was rating this to, you know, potentially to an episode of Freak Show, I'd, I might give it a much higher rating. But we're talking about, you know, we both really enjoyed the first two episodes. Yes. And I enjoyed this one as well. But comparatively, <laughs> we have to have, you know, some sort of ranking system. So, you know, let's talk about the preview for next week, which I think had three things I was excited about. I mean, it looks like it's a, um, a Halloween party, a dinner party, where they invite all the best goblins and ghosts and murderers of our generation. Hosted by March, it looks like. So we're going to get more of the Evan Peters. Um, we get a, the return of Twisty, it looks like. And this looks like uh, early on before he had his, like, totally... Um, does this look like before he blew his face off, though? Oh, yeah, it did. He Yeah, he looked well well collected. Was he a serial killer before he blew his face off? I don't remember. I feel like I'd have to revisit Freak Show to mm, remember that. Someone will correct us for sure, but I don't remember either. I don't think he was. Um, we get Lily Rabe coming back as... Ali Warnos. Um, Ali, yes. And so oh, that get, was dealt with. She's like, hey, come like part... You're like, yeah. And that and that's what she did. She took, she took her boys to hotels and... Mm-hmm. So it'll be like, you know... She's always a I love really forward to see her come back. And um, we see Alex confronting the Countess about Holden. So we'll see where that storyline goes a little bit more and learn more about these little demon vampire children. This seemed like much more of a um, uh, place setting uh, episode. Which we get on occasion. Which we, uh-huh. and, and we need. And obviously they generally get ranked lower than others, but they're necessary to move the story along for the, the whole season well i mean especially with this many storylines let's be real not every episode can be all you know all climax you know it's got you got to have it can't be like episode three of season six of the walking dead (laughs) exactly you have to have a slow burn you got to build oh my god that episode was so good so i think we got to appreciate that a little bit yeah and appreciate that the art of doing that and appreciate the fact that they are doing that especially like with the Ten Commandments color and things like that so that having been said we have drummed on for an excessive period of time sorry guys 
Um, but thanks for standing up and listening to us. And of course, send your comments and questions our way. This American Horror Story at gmail.com, facebook.com slash this American Horror Story. And please rank us, review us, tell us we talk too long, whatever you want to say. But go on iTunes and check but, us out there. But preferably positive, thanks. Preferably positive. Preferably five stars. We would love five stars if, if you'd be so kind. Uh, Chris, where can people uh, hear more from you? At Chris, you said Chris with a K on Instagram, Twitter, and Snapchat is uh, at the Chris Houston. What about you, Tyler? I'll tell you. I'll tell you where Tyler's at. He's at TJ Moss Eleven on everything. TJ Moss Eleven at everything. That's my handle. That's where you can find me. All right, folks. Can't wait to discuss the next episode with you guys in the interim. See you next week for Happy Halloween. Haunting. Woo! Happy hauntings.